trees are budding. It is springtime in the air. And this is the day the Lord has made. I want to rejoice. I want to be glad in it. And it's good to be in the house of God one more time. Back again, back again. What are we doing? We are not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, coming together. And so we're glad once more and again. Look at little Liam over there. Liam! <laughs> glad to be in the house of God this morning, my beloved. And to those of you who are with us for the first time, over and over, there was a song in my heart today called Over and Over and Over Again, He Keeps On Blessing Me. And I just felt that in my spirit because it's all about overflow, how he's doing what? He's, he's filling us with his spirit, filling our, filling our cup and letting our cups overflow. And so, again, I want to thank God for all of you being back with us today. And to those of you who are with us, for the first time, we say welcome, 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 welcome. Oh, I'm starting to hear a little bit of it in the background here. Y'all listen to this a little bit. This was in my heart, in my spirit this morning. You got to turn that up now. Got to turn that up. Song says over and over and over and over and over. He keeps on. He keeps on. He keeps on blessing me. Ah, yeah. Song talks about filling my cup. I wonder if anybody's cup is filled this morning. Hallelujah this morning. <laughs> there it is. Fill my cup and let it do what? Overflow. Overflow. I have overflow in my heart this morning. Overflow in my spirit. The joy of the Lord is my spirit. Overflow. Yeah. Come on, come on. Over and over. Ah. Uh, he keeps on blessing. He keeps on blessing. It's a continuous overflow of blessing. Ah, uh, yeah. He keeps on blessing me. <laughs> there it is. Fill my cup. Ah, uh, yeah. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, team. Thank you, team. They went and got it for the pastor anyway. Praise the Lord. Fill my cup and let it overflow. Is anybody rejoicing this morning with a cup? That is filled. No, we don't come to search to get a cup full. We bring a filled cup to the house of God. Amen? And oh, yeah, let it overflow. And so this morning, my beloved, as we get going this morning to our first-time guests, welcome to our family and our community. We're glad that you are here to be our guest. Be our guest. Be our guest this morning. We are New Creation Outreach Ministries. We are a teaching and equipping church. Everything we do here is centered around the DNA. Our DNA is teaching and equipping around three things. Sharing the gospel, transforming lives, and serving, my beloved. And so we're glad that you're with us. And once again, let's welcome all of our uh, Digital community that's lit, tuning in from around a lot of states where we have family members tuning in from different places. And then we want to welcome our mission family in Thailand, Pastor Sothorn, Nelda Dome, and the team and our family in Thailand. And so, my beloved, it's good again to be back in the house of prayer. A couple of things I want to do. I want to get some housekeeping done this morning. I want to get some housekeeping done this morning. And let's get to what that, where that housekeeping is. Ah, I don't see it here. There it is. There it is. First thing we want to do. 
do is we want to acknowledge our March birthdays. Come on, let's give God some praise for the birthdays of March. Everybody whose birthday, I see you back there, Bree. Everybody's birthday who's in March, give yourself a big hand. And all the, all the husbands and wives' anniversaries for March, give yourselves a big hand. Happy birthday to you. Happy anniversary to you. The other housekeeping that we want to share with you today, my beloved, is something that's coming up this month, this month. On March the 21st at 3 o'clock, we're going to bring the family together because we have a safety. We got a plan to move us back into the house of God, move us back down here. It's going to be a plan that we're going to roll out. We're going to get the information for us to all to gather in on Zoom. And so we can explain. We're going to come back in Resurrection Sunday. We got a plan of how we're going to do that. And we need everybody to be in that meeting. Get ready. You'll see it coming. We're going to talk about our plan to regather as the Lord continues to do what? Bring this pan, this pest down. We've been very careful. It's been a whole year since we've been in here. Not in the physical building, but we've been, we've been in here. We've been here. An address doesn't confine, doesn't, doesn't make, a, make a church. And we found that out. We got better when, when our doors was closed because of this pandemic. We didn't get worse. We got better by the grace of God. And so on the 21st at 3 p.m., we're going to roll out an action plan for you as to how we're going to begin to move our way, wean our way back into the building. Praise the Lord. A little bit of that housekeeping again as we get going today. And once again, uh, I want to also remind you that this is our theme this year, Elevate. Know your why, and we've been focused on that. We're leveling up in a lot of areas in our lives. And here's our passage of Scripture that's carrying us through this year. Uh, Psalm 1833, he makes my feet like hind's feet, and he sets me upon high places. We're moving in this year to high places, elevating in all these areas right here. Preaching of Christ on the cross, edifying and perfecting the saints, being making sure that we're lighting and salting up the world and the earth and our community. We're sounding the alarm about the wrath of God. It is near. It is near today. How many of you know it's, it's near today than it was yesterday? Hallelujah. And we're going to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, and we're going to be focused in all these areas in our church, alertness to sin and evil, marriages, families, stewardship, our thinking and our praying, all our ministries. This is what we're doing this year, the year of hinds feet. We are elevating. And so, my beloved, these are a couple of things I want to kind of get out of the way. And to our first-time guests, again, I want to thank you for coming in. You are coming in on the tail end, actually the end, of a teaching series that was requested by pastors to reteach and revisit some 12 years ago. We did on death, hell, and heaven, death, hell, and heaven, and it was the Holy Spirit. But now, 12 years removed, the Holy Spirit, my beloved, completely revamped uh, this, 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 the whole teaching and even retitled it. 12 years ago, it was 30 Days to Live. Totally give us a new title for this as we went into revisiting it today. And so, uh, before we, uh, while I got this up here, I'm always reminding us, this is the death total. This is the death total of all these, of this virus, of this pestilent virus, 2 million 599,198, 537,119 as of last night. That's a whole lot of death. That's a whole lot of misery and pain. That, my beloved, is a whole lot of sorrow. And so, my beloved, we again, this teaching was requested 
by pastor, somebody, some of you were here and you say, Pastor, we, because of so much pestilence, because of so much death and suffering, people were really looking for some comfort and looking for some insight. What is it about this, this word, this, the D word, death? And so we went back to it. Watch this video here. We have a little video that just kind of brings us back into our thinking today. I wasn't with you last week. Terry did an, an amazing job last week. And so we're back today to kind of close this teaching out. Let's watch this video, this first little video about 30 days, about seven, about our time with the, with the hourglass, how much time we have left. Praise the Lord. How much time we have left. Hallelujah. Praise God. And while they're looking to get that together, how there will it is. you use your time? Watch the, watch the sand in the hourglass, how it moves. That's how our life moves. Our time is short like a vapor or a fleeting shadow. Short like a vapor. Will you use this time to serve yourself? Mm-mm. Will you use this time to serve God and others? Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you spend your days storing up earthly riches? My God, my God. Or will you store up treasure in heaven where it is eternal? What are we doing? Will you trust in the Lord every day in order that he may make you your see path that sand quick? moving. That's how life moves. It moves that quick. Will you seek justice, love mercy, Bible calls it and a walk puff of humbly smoke. with We're God? Here and it's like a puff of smoke how of will you use your time? Mm, what are we doing with our time, my beloved? And church, this is what we've been teaching along with a number of, uh, of, of just great word that the Holy Spirit gave us in this teaching. Seven days to live. He gave it to me when he revamped it. The time of my life. What are you doing with the time of your life? And if you only knew you had a day, two days, three days, 30 days, whatever, how much time, we don't know, but what would that look like? And in this series, we ask the questions. What is your mindset? What would be your mindset? And what would your heart be filled with if you knew you, if you got a doctor's report and you got 12 days, 15 days to live, would you fix your, would you fix some relationships? Would you have a different mindset toward forgiveness and humility? What would you say to God or do if you only knew you had a certain amount of time? What kind of regrets would you have about things you said, things you did to people, things you, how you acted toward people? What would, you, what, would, what would that look like inside your family? What would it look like in the church if we knew we only had a certain amount of time to live and there were, we knew Holy Spirit had convicted us about some ugly that we had uh, pervaded and had done to somebody else? And so this is the series, my beloved. And these, again, as we got going in here, this was kind of where the Lord took us in the teachings. We started out with tragedies, diagnoses, and and realities about death. Then we moved into bamboozled into hell. We talked, we learned, don't boast about uh, time, about tomorrow, because you don't know what tomorrow brings. Then we went into heaven can wait. There's an attitude we found out. People really think heaven's going to wait. And we found that out from the five foolish versions that no, heaven won't wait. And then we moved into hell. It's not Disneyland. We really learned a lot of things about hell. And then last time I was with you, we talked about heaven. Oh, we had a wonderful time. The Holy Spirit really gave us some real meat uh, about the eternality in heaven and today we're going to close it out with some with issue with the issue of emotional uh, of death and how and the emotional strain it puts on us we're going to give you some some biblical principles that we all need to cultivate on that that really isn't the actual uh, title of this of the message today the actual title of the message today is the emotional side of death a biblical context about death to death. That's what it is. The emotional side of death. We're going to look at a biblical context about death. That's the title of the message. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today for your word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and it lights our path. Over and over and over, you keep on blessing me. 
You have blessed this church through a year of difficulty and strain and stress. You've blessed our families. Some of our families met with sickness and loss of a loved one through this pandemic, loss of a loved one just in life happening. But over and through it all, you have blessed us and you have continued to fill our cup when we didn't even deserve it. And so we thank you this morning for a new month, for a new first day of the week. And as always, we're glad to be in the service. We're glad to obey you, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves, to come together in the house of prayer, to come together as a community, to come together as the body family of God. Bless this final teaching now, what it is you gave me to share uh, what was requested. And I thank you for it now. Use me now in Jesus' name. And all the body of Christ said amen. Once again, thank God for all of you being here with us again to again to our first time guests. You can go on all of our teachings and series as they all every week, everything builds upon each other. And so for any of uh, any of our first time guests or any of our members, if you missed any of these series, these teachings, go to our website, the the slides, everything is there uh, to have you understand and be able to uh, gather, gather what we've all gathered together as a family, as a community with this teaching seven days to live the time of my life. It wasn't so much about the day. Uh, we used, we just pulled seven out, but seven had nothing to do with anything. The point of seven was you don't know how many days. You might, you don't know if you got three days. We don't know if we have this evening. And the mindset we need to have toward, by, by, toward death. And so new creation this morning, we're going to conclude this series, this teaching, this subject, I believe, was, and, and, and it's, it's going to be centered around what I believe, Gloria, was the reason I was asked to come back and read teach this, we're going to deal with the emotions that we all struggle with, that we all deal with when it comes to what? Losing a loved one. We're going to, I, I, was, I had a number of places I had planned in my mind to go, but as always, the Holy Spirit always provides me clarity. Even this morning in the song, the invitation song, I had one invitation song and woke up out of my sleep and, and it was a completely different song. I, I woke up and there, I was singing it as I woke up out of my sleep and I said, Holy Spirit, thank you because you always know exactly what we need and what you want and not what I want, what we want. And so my beloved, as we go today, there's a not so sweet, somebody type that in the chat. There's a not-so-sweet emotion, uh, emotions that we struggle with when it comes to what? Death. When it comes to losing a spouse, when it comes to losing a daughter, when it comes to losing an aunt, when it comes to losing a, a son, a, 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 an uncle, a close friend, there is an emotional uh, stress and struggle, Zach, that we deal with when it comes to death. It's just the reality of it all. Uh, and again, I believe it's why a number of you asked me because you lost loved ones. You, you've seen, you had friends die over these 12 months. And some, that's why you came. I, I say, well, that's why they came to me, Lord, because people were trying to do what? In this pandemic, of lots of death all around us, a number of you were looking for some what? Some biblical insight. A number of you were looking for, Pastor, I'm looking for some comfort about all this death about the loss of a loved one, about the loss of my, my, my best friend. I, I'm having some stress and some trepidation. I've lost my sister, and I couldn't even go to the to, – I couldn't even travel. I couldn't even – my friend died alone because of this pandemic. Family members couldn't even go. 
And so, my beloved, as we are tracking, as we've been, as we've been dealing with, all of us have been dealing with some level of this, I thank God and the Holy Spirit for, for what he taught us because he is truly what? Our source of strength. He's our source uh, glory of enlightenment. He's our source, uh, Mama CJ, of comfort. It truly is the Holy Spirit, my beloved. And so, uh, there was a couple of ways, again, that I was moving and that I had from the beginning of this series where I would go, but again, the Holy Spirit... <laughs> again, gave me the clarity as he does when he has a plan. And so this morning, my beloved, we're concluding seven days to live the time of my life. And we're going to the seventh chapter of Ecclesiastes. Turn in your Bibles. And for those of you who think your Bible is a phone, turn in your phone, turn, flip your phone to the seventh chapter of Ecclesiastes. Oh, I hope everybody feels good this morning. I feel all right this morning. And so as we get ready to go, as you're turning in that, turning your pages there, I'm going to flip there and get us ready myself. And uh, as we get ready to go there, seventh chapter of Ecclesiastes, as you get there, John and Jackie, there's a subject, hallelujah, that we have not addressed in all the teaching that the Holy Spirit gave me to give you, but there was one thing as I was looking this way and looking that way and thought I had it, that the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. There's one subject we haven't addressed, and it was really, it was, it was really rooted in, in why people came to you and asked you to reteach it. Bring it back after 12 years. And my beloved, that subject was the emotional side, the emotional side and context of how we all feel when you lose a loved one. The emotional side and context. There is an emotional side that all of us struggle with, my beloved. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon, many of you know where we're going, he had some things to say about the emotional side of death and how we need to deal with it, how we need to approach it. And, 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 and what I'm talking about here, somebody write it down. We, he, uh, 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 Solomon talks about some principles that we all need to cultivate about death. Somebody write that down. <laughs> principles we all need to cultivate, we all need to embrace when it comes to losing a spouse. Many of you know what I'm talking about. There's some emotional stress. There's a, there's a not-so-bittersweet side when we're trying to do what, Zach? When we're trying to conceptualize what death means. And so as we get going today, my beloved, how do we deal with the not-so-sweet side of death, Mama Pat? How do, we, how do we deal with that? Somebody write that down. We're going to answer that today. How do I deal with, you know, there's a bitter and a sweet side. The sweet side is we know they're going with home to be with Jesus. They, we know where they are. You know, the, the horrible side of that would be if we have a loved one that died and they went to hell. But the sweet side of it is that they, we know where they are. We quote the scriptures all day long. To be absent from the body is to be present with God. We know that there, and we gave you, God had me give you a beautiful uh, teaching two weeks ago about heaven and what heaven is going to be like. We talked about the first, the third, the fourth, and then the second heaven, and God painted a beautiful picture. But what about now? What about now? What about now? How do we cope with how do we deal with the not-so-sweet emotional side of the death of a loved one? 
And I thought about it. The church, Dre, Rex, doesn't put a lot of emphasis. We don't, you know, we really don't try to prepare people for death. You know, we just don't, we have a funeral, somebody dies, we get together, we do a funeral, but we don't really put any emphasis on trying to do what? Help people understand. We don't do a lot of teaching uh, trying to help people do what? Cultivate and navigate through a very certain pain, a very certain uh, uh, conflict that we have with losing a father, losing a mother. There's a conflict, there's an emotional conflict, turmoil that we all deal with. And so in today's final teaching, I thank the Holy Spirit. He says, give them an assist. You know, basketball, you get an assist. He said, give them an assist. Now, close it out with giving them assist to kind of do what? To help them under, better understand you've given them you've given them everything I want you to give them but we need them to take on a, a different attitude going forward and so we have a final subject the emotional side a biblical context to death and new creation in the seventh chapter of Ecclesiastes we're going to find out here in a second Solomon specifically teaches the church about we have to have a certain outlook toward death. And he's telling us some things in these verses, just six, because he goes on, but I'm just using six. He, and he's trying to get us to understand about uh, our outlook on death and certain emotions that we all experience with death. And so, Mama Pat, Solomon says some things about death that, listen to me now, listen to the Spirit of God and your pastor, that from an emotion of you, we don't really want to hear. We don't want to hear what we're getting ready to read. Matter of fact, we don't even, we try, we, it's going to be hard for some of you to get your mind wrapped around some of the things that Solomon wants us to, wants us to understand and cultivate. Why? Because there's certain things that when we're feeling what we feel about the list, a loss of a loved one, that is what we feel. And nobody can come along and rub you on the back and hold your hand and say, it's going to be all right. That's not, that, that, that does not work. Somebody know what I'm talking about. We are not comfortable, but Solomon is going to say some things to us this morning that he says we must, the Holy Spirit said, you must tell them they must embrace. Solomon says we are to think about death not as an afterthought, but we are, in, uh, what he's going to tell us today, my beloved Ernest, what he's going to tell us in every facet of our life, in all our decision making, in all our choices, we are to carry with us this thing about death. Why? Because you don't know when, it's, when that's it. And so as we go today, he's going to talk to us about our lives, our choices, and our decisions. Rose, Mama CJ, in verses 1 through 6, Solomon says, there are some things about death that on the surface that I'm getting ready to tell you that appear, that we, that's going to appear. I can't believe that. I can't get my mind wrapped around that. There are some things he's going to say to us today. And this brings us to our final roadmap, learning and discovery for this series. Once again, here we go. Let's get going. We are today dealing with seven days to live, the emotional side, the biblical context about death to death. And here's our teaching outline today. We're looking at the emotional side, the biblical context to death. There are some emotional principles that we must cultivate, my beloved, if we're going to have healthy emotions about death. And we're going to look at Solomon. Solomon's going to give you some justification, give us some justification today and tell us there are blessings in life's difficulties versus life's pleasantries. There are blessings for us having a certain mindset and attitude toward death versus 
having a good time and life's pleasantries. We're going to see that today. Then we're going to look at the biblical principles that we must live by regarding death. And I'm going to the Holy Spirit say, give them some things to steward how they need to live, how they're going to go forward. And so, my beloved, this is our teaching outline. Now, I didn't bring to you today a new, uh, 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 a new PowerPoint challenge starts because the Holy Spirit said, no, go back to the original series thoughts you gave them. Go back there. And so this one, we started the series six weeks ago. This is what, this is what the Holy Spirit gave us to ride us through the whole series. This is our learning objective. It's, we're going to go right back today and visit it. To embrace, talk, and learn about the D word, death. To em- What's the purpose of teaching today? This series was to embrace and say to us, you cannot live the time of your life without paying attention to death. We cannot do it. Death is the destiny we're going to find out today of everybody. One out of one is going to die. And we wanted to say in our this teaching, get out of this series, you don't know how or when death is coming, but because you don't know it's coming, you have to do what? Pay attention. We don't know how close we are to death. We don't know how vulnerable we are to dying. In the, most, in a, the Bible tells us death comes like a thief in the night. What else are we trying to get out of it? What was the learning objective for this series? Regarding death and eternity, you have to focus your life's time. Whatever time you have, and we don't know what time we have. I'm 61, but I didn't know I was going to see 61. I don't know if I'm going to see 62. So what am I have to do? He said, we got to focus the time of our lives, the time of our life, the time we have left. You have to do what? We all have to answer the question. Would the time of our life be any different if we knew we only had three days to live? Would you have a different perspective? Would you have a different outlook? If you knew you, if you knew your time, if you really took that, took it seriously and knew your time was short, are you ready and prepared for the time of your life to expire? I'd say give it to them. This is why I want you to go back and teach it. What was, what was the, uh, what was the PowerPoint wisdom key for this whole series? All of our life's time on this side of heaven has been specifically given to us by Father God. The world doesn't believe that. The atheist doesn't believe that. And why did he do that? For us, for our readiness for eternity. There's going to be a time when your name, when you will be not. There's going to be a time when you're going to be the subject of a, of a funeral. And it'll be your obituary that'll be read. The time of your life on this side of heaven is not about your occupation. It's not about a degree. It's not about a, 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 a status. But that's how we live. All of your life's time on this side of heaven is primarily about your readiness for your time when you leave. God said, that's what you give them. And look what we gave, what God gave me in the beginning of the series, and we are going there today. Ecclesiastes 72 says, it is better. Somebody type it in the chat. Better. Type that in the chat. Better. We're going to hear better all day today. It is better to go to a funeral, a house of mourning, than to go to a party. Why? A house of drinking. Why? For death is the destiny. (laughs) Death is the destiny of every person, and everyone living should do what? Think about this. Take it to heart. I want, y'all, I want somebody to write that down. Take death to heart. There's, a, there's some, some significance of why we got to take dying to heart. And then the big question we have for this series, regarding an imminent death in eternity, headed, we're all headed toward, we don't know when, it's unknown to us, what have you done with the time of your life? What have we done? Are you living with an eye toward eternity? Has all your decisions, your choices, the things that you've done, or have you just kind of gone through life having the, having the time of your life, eating, drinking, and being merry? Have you made death personal, or have you simply focused on having the time of your life? The time of your life. Eating, drinking, and being merry. 
We found that out with the rich fool in week two. We found that out with the rich man in week three. We found it out in, in, in week four with the five foolish virgins. They were sleeping through life. And so, my beloved, once again, as we get going today, <laughs> uh, Holy Spirit say, no, you don't need to give them no, no, no learning objectives. You just go back to the beginning because the beginning, you want to remind them where, we, where you started, where I started you with them in this teaching. And so, my beloved, as we get going today, as we get going today, let's note the focus of our teaching again. And is everybody at the seventh chapter of Ecclesiastes. But before we go, I want you to listen to this song, uh, a little bit of this song we're going to play today. Uh, some of you are not going to be familiar with it because you're too young, but some of you are going to know what this song is all about. Listen to this song. Spirit say, go back to the birds and time to turn, turn, turn. With every second that ticks off the clock, my beloved, we are racing toward eternity. Racing toward eternity. And to our young, young adults, Gabby, Rachel, Sheldon, some of you, Adari, uh, uh, Bree, <laughs> Rex, <laughs> Turn, turn, turn is a song taken <laughs> from the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes. Not the 12th chapter, but the song is written about 
all, it summarizes the whole chapter, uh, the whole book of Ecclesiastes. The verses, the lyrics, everything they're saying uh, is coming from the 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes. And, so it, and, it, and what, it, what are they saying? They're talking about Solomon's counsel, Solomon's wisdom. And this morning, my beloved, our focus is what Solomon learned firsthand about death about living and dying. And church, let me ask this question. What is the most painful and emotional experience that we all face on this side of heaven? What is the most painful? Keith and Dorothy, I submit, Ebby, I submit it is facing death. That's the most painful, the most emotional experience that we face. Either dealing with the death of a loved one or facing death ourselves. It is the most painful and emotional experience that we are all going to face. Renee, Sister Elfrida, there isn't anything like going through the death of a spouse. There is nothing like going through the death of a daughter, a son. Nothing like going through the death of a brother or sister. Nothing like going through the death of a real dear friend. Somebody you might have grown up with. There's nothing like that. And what Solomon is getting ready to tell us, Solomon says, listen, based on my experiences and what I've gone through, I'm going to write to you uh, because I am an authority on it. Why does Solomon write to us? Why Solomon says, I know firsthand the difficulties of life, the not so sweet times in life. Why is Solomon the counselor on death and a lot of, a lot of life's issues? Praise team, Solomon is the wisest man in the Bible. What else, do, what, what, what else do we know about Solomon? He was the most educated in the Bible. What else do we know about Solomon? Solomon was, was the most cognizant, hallelujah, of the Bible. And, 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 and he's the most cognizant thinker in the Bible. He experienced life, hallelujah in person in ways that Solomon says, you know why God had me write the Ecclesiastes? Because I experienced it all. And I found out a lot about life and death. He's the most successful, <laughs> the wisest, the richest, and he's the most underachieved. He's the most underachieved. One of the most, I'll put it that way. Somebody be writing me. He's not, you know, trying to correct me. <laughs> Pastor, what are you trying to say about Solomon? We know Solomon can mentor us because that's why God had him write 12 chapters in the book of Ecclesiastes. And in verses 1 through 6, just 1 through 6, He's going to say some things to us about death now that we're getting ready to read that are rooted in wisdom for, for our good, about our emotions that we need to. And what he's doing, what I, wrote, what I, what I, what I see out of this, he's going to present to us a soliloquy, a monologue, where he's going to be sharing with us his inner, he's talking and sharing with us his inner thoughts and feelings about everything he tried, Zach, everything he did in life. To bring him to this point, Matthew, Brittany, Norma, where he could summarize and, and, and he's going to tell us after, after doing it all, what did it all mean in the end? After trying everything, after doing this and doing that, what did he find out? Listen up here. Listen up here. First thing he found out is, in, is when he starts 
the book. In Ecclesiastes 1 and 1, notice what he says here, my beloved. Vapor of all vapors and futility of futilities. This is what he found out. After doing what? Trying everything. After experiencing life, Gloria. He says, vapor of vapors and futility of futilities. Vapor of vapors. And then he went on. Vapor of vapors and futility of utilities. Then he said, all is vanity. What does that mean? He was saying, I have learned that life is full of emptiness. Life is full of falsity. Life is full of vain glory. He's an authority. He can talk to us about death, life. He can counsel us. In another translation, I brought, look what I got. I grabbed another translation, Terry, Sister Francis, when, in verse 1. Useless, useless, completely useless. All things are useless. Many of you might have a translation. It might say something else. But the point, what's he saying, Rex? What's he trying to tell us about life? That if we don't have a right perspective, that if we and you and I don't see life through the lens of the word of God, and if we don't prepare, we can go through our whole life like many people and miss life. Miss life. You remember in week two, we learned about how people crashed their planes. Like we, we showed you the video how those, how those planes crashed into the towers. There are people that crashed, literally crashed their lives into hell. Miss all of life. Chasing after the wind. Solomon says, oh, it's useless, 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 more useless. And so he's in authority today, my beloved, as to what it is. What else up here? He says in Psalm 99 and 12, he says, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. That's how fast life can be over. A sigh. He said, we bring, listen to me, listen to the Spirit of God. Not listen to me, listen, look at the word. He says, we bring our years, Mama CJ. We bring our years, Mama Faye, Mama Diana. We bring our years to an end like a The years of our life are 70 or by reason of strength, maybe 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. He says, we go through life, and if we're not walking with God, if God is not at the epicenter of everything we do, we are just spinning wheels, building up treasures on, on earth where moth and rust, somebody's going to get it. It's going to end up in a garage sale somehow. He says, they are soon gone, and we fly away. You know, we love that song. Some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. We love that song. But then he says, teach us out of all, because of everything I've said here, we got to number our days. Why? Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This final teaching, my beloved, is about wisdom. It is about wisdom. The song says, turn, turn, turn to every season, turn. Why? Because there's a time to die. There's a time to die. Why? Because the cemetery is going to always have occupants. The cemetery is always going to have occupants. Turn, turn, turn. I'm wondering, is anybody already starting to get it and track with the Spirit of God and your pastor this morning? And so the cemetery, again, because it's going to always, why? Because it's the destiny of every man. 
And so follow along with me now as we read verses just one through six, because there's so much richness right here. Just in verses one through six, my beloved. Follow along with me. Is everybody there in your Bible? Everybody there on your phone? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just follow along with the pastor. Look what he says. Look what Solomon says here. Now, this, this, is, this is again. This is a soliloquy. He's talking, and he's talking. He's sharing with us his inner feelings, his inner thoughts. It's like a monologue. He says, a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. A good name is more valuable than costly perfume. He says, and the day that you die is far better than your birthday. <laughs> Verse 2, better to spend your time at funerals, hanging out at funerals, than at parties. Better to hang out, better to spend your time, not in the amusement of life. <laughs> it's better for you to spend your time. See, I told y'all on the surface what he's saying. What's he talking about? Why, how could that be better? I told you on the surface, it don't, this don't even make sense. Mama, 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 mama Jane, pops. He says, better to spend your time at funerals than hanging out in amusements and parties. And why? Because death is the destiny. There it is right there. Death. You know why we can't waste time? You know why there's certain things we should not do? Because we don't know how much time we have. You don't know if tonight you're going you're gonna to see heaven or see hell tonight. You don't know, again, you tie, I tied my tennis this morning, but I don't know if this evening, I don't know if the coroner will be untying them and, talk, and calling my wife. He says, death is the destiny. Notice what he says in verse 3. Look now, these are things that, 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 that make sense to the, to, the, to, the, to the carnal mind, to the natural man. Sorrow is better than laughter. How can sorrow be exact better than laughter? I, you know, we love to have fun. <laughs> I love, you know, we get together. We, well, we, can't, we haven't gotten together in a year, but I mean, we love to have fun. We have had fun on chat, online, all kind of things we've been doing. But how can <laughs> sorrow and grief be better than laughing? He says, for sadness has a, refining influence on us sadness a certain sorrow can do what can can create some some maturity can wise us up is what he's saying here look at verse four a, a wise person thinks thinks a lot about death a wise person a wise person thinks a wise person carries death in his heart again decisions and choices with the thought process you know i want to do that and i'm gonna do this but am I going to be here tomorrow? <laughs> he says a wise person will have that mindset while the fool thinks only about having a good time. A fool. What did God tell the rich fool? You fool tonight. <laughs> Your life is over. Look at verse five. Better. I told y'all better, 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 better. It's going to be all through. Better to be criticized, rebuked, scorned. By a wise person. I didn't say be rebuked, scorned by some fool. The scripture doesn't say that. It's better to be criticized, rebuked by a wise person than to be praised. Love the praise of men. This is a man who can talk to us because he's been through some stuff. Verse 6. A fool's laughter is quickly gone. Like thorns crackling in a fire. This is all meaningless. Back to useless, 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 fruitless. It's futile, it's futile. Back to what he said in verse 1. See, that's constantly in his, in his mind. Why? Because he's been through some things. 
He has experienced some things. And now God says, you are, based on all the things that you went through, everything you tried, you can, you can, you can give the summation of it all. It's all vanity. It's all vanity. Our thinking, the way we think, the way the, see, we were born into this thinking, but when we got saved, Zach, what happened? We were transformed, <laughs> but we got to do what? That's got to have some discipling that needs to go along with that. And so my beloved, what Solomon is saying, he's saying there's more learning. Somebody write this down. Somebody write this down. Solomon is trying to tell us in these verses, my beloved, there is more learning. There is more growing. There is more maturity. We get from adversity and difficulties versus pleasantries in life. Somebody ought to get that. I can close us out right now and go on to the invitation. There is more for us to gain. There's more for us to learn in life's pain than in the pleasantries, eating, drinking, and being merry. There's no learning. There's nothing, there's nothing much to be found and learned in that. We've all been there. Wasted money, wasted time did this and did that. And so, my beloved, uh, we gonna, what we're going to do real, what we're going to do now, we're going to break these things down. We're going to break them down. We're going to kind of go through them one by one. And what I'm trying to make sure, what Holy Spirit say, now you make sure they understand. Mama Faith, Mama Die, Solomon is appealing to the church body that there's some principles that we need to grasp and hold on to about this emotional issue of death and how we feel about it. Some principles that nobody wants to believe, nobody wants to hear me say Solomon says but and especially the sinner the sinner don't want to hear this the sinner thinks this is complete stupidity what are you talking about grief and sorrow is better than laughter but even the carnal man in the church don't believe it either if you ain't living with God if you ain't walking with God you don't get what we just read either and men, Solomon says there are some principles about death that we must cultivate in our heart, in our thinking. We've got to change our thinking. Jacob, sleep, Leon, Elliot, as I was preparing and thinking about what Solomon is wanting us to get about this death and what he learned about it, that he can tell us about it, that he's an authority on it. I thought about the not so sweet side of death that we all experience. Look up here. These are emotions that we all go through when somebody... We love dies. It's a bitter and a sweet relief. We're relieved. You know, when somebody is suffering, there's great relief. You know, we're praying. We want them to get healed. I prayed for Jay Fosayda, my mentor. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed for a year and a half for him to be healed. And we prayed and we believed every time we prayed. We believed. But there came a point where it was sweet relief to see him laying there suffering. It was sweet relief when God said, come on in. Sweet relief. Bitter, why? Because we didn't want him to go. We didn't want him to go. You don't ever want your loved one to go. See, there's the emotion. See, the emotions that we have to grapple with, there's pain and sorrow, grief that we all experience when we lose mom. Nobody can talk to, talk to me about that. Nobody can talk to us about that. Unless you went through it, you can't talk. But we all have it in common. <laughs> the joylessness that we feel, and that could be a season of joylessness. It's a time of depression that if we're not careful, we can go over it. We can go too far. That's why we have a grief share counseling ministry here in our church for people who go through grief. Well, there's an emptiness when you've lost a, a daughter, you've lost a son, you've lost a spouse. There's an anger 
that comes upon us. These are all the, this, I'm talking about the emotional side, my beloved, that we all experience. Anger. Why, God? Why at this particular time? There's a guilt we go through. Too late now to say what you didn't say. Too late now to fix what you didn't fix. We go through guilt. That's why at New Creation, when I officiate a funeral, I don't know where this came from. I don't know where, it, I don't know. It's, I'm sure it came from somewhere. You know, you, you get to the end of the funeral, my beloved. And, 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 and uh, Stephen and Tracy, you know, you know, whether the casket is open, whether it's closed. Okay. I'm okay with that. I kind of like it closed because we, if you've done, if, if we've done everything we try to do, see the church's job is to bring what? Relief. But I've noticed this. I've gone to funerals in years and years where even after all of that, we take the casket and we roll it in front of the family. The family is sitting there. Now, they've done all they can do to hang through here. They've done all. They've gone to the week. They've had the, the private time in, in, at, the, at the funeral home. But we roll the casket in front of them. What for? They're sitting there hanging on with everything is in them. But we got to roll. I don't know where that came from. I don't do that here. Now, if you want us to roll it in front, you stick the body, stick that body in front of your face. Sitting, if you, you know, you sitting here and the casket is right here. You, you want us to do that? I don't know where we got that from. But we don't, I don't do that. I just think, oh, numbness. There's a numbness. When you go through the loss of a loved one, somebody you loved, there's a loneliness. House, is, house can be quiet. I mean, there's a quietness in the house that just comes over us. I'm just, see, we're, we're dealing with it. The Holy Spirit say, no, you teach this part before you, and not, then you close it out, but you prepare them. You get them ready. There's a longing. I'm longing. How many, you know, you know I have a sister and a brother. I long for them. I long for them. When you lose somebody you love, you long for them. There's moments you just long for them. You miss them. And then there's anxiety. Somebody know exactly what I'm talking about today. The Holy Spirit then struck a chord. Not to bring back memories to you, but we're trying to do what? We're trying to get better. Remember, better is the theme that Solomon says over and over in these verses. And he goes on. We're not going on, but he goes on. Better, better, better. The constant theme is what? Better. How is death better? How is it better? And so as he gets going, here's what I was thinking about again as I was preparing this. When I was thinking about these emotions, then I thought about some of my own pain. I thought about some of my own loss. This is my grandfather, Reverend Jules Simpson. He died in 2008. I thought about him. This is my mentor. Some of you know Daphus L. Haley. He is my mentor. In 2006, the Lord called him home. I miss him. This, is, this was like a, a father to me. I could have put, I was thinking about it. I could have put a, a, a bunch of people up here that was like dads to me that God has taken. He sent for him. J.G., uh, the colonel. I could have had all kind of people up here. But Ernest passed away in 1999. God called for him. This is my sister. Bridget Renee Simpson. God called her in 2010. This is my brother who's next to me. I'm the oldest of the eight. God called him home in 1988. Jewel Samuel Simpson the third. Jewel Samuel Simpson Sr. My is the second. I thought about my own grief. I thought of my own struggle. I thought about the pain that I feel as I was putting this together and putting them on this slide. I was thinking about my sister. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about Japhus. These are death. 
Solomon said some things to us, my beloved, that if we don't embrace, could leave us in a lurch with an unhealthy outlook on life and death. And my beloved, uh, again, we're not going, I'm not, I'm not trying to be insensitive. What I'm one calling Julie, what is it about death that makes us feel so horrible? It's so horrible. Why? Let me, let me say it to you this in real talk. Y'all know your pastor. I keep it a hundred. Death separates us from those we love. That's what's horrible about it. Yes, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. We embrace all of that. We embrace all of the word, the corrupt, incorruption putting on. We, we embrace all of that. But guess what? We still got to deal with the reality. She's gone. She's not here. Death has separated us. See, I'm talking real talk to somebody. See, they're, yes, they're with Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But, we, but the reality is they're not here. They're gone. And we're all going to see them. Praise God. When we all get to heaven, we're going to rejoice. But I'm saying, how do we cope with it here? How do we handle the not so sweet side of it here emotionally? And Mama Freddie, Mama Kay, Solomon says we handle it by wrapping our mind around the adversities and difficulties in life versus the pleasantries of life. He says if you do that, you will cultivate and elevate a wisdom and a maturity about death that we all need. Boy, this is real teaching today. Holy Spirit, is, I thank God for this teaching today. And so Holy Spirit say, Go down now and take them all the way through it one by one. And so look here. We're going to go through now and look. We're looking at the emotional principles that we need to cultivate about death. And we're looking at, it from, looking at it from the lens, Tina. Life's difficulties versus life's pleasantries. This is what Solomon in his soliloquies act is trying to all get us to understand. He's telling us his inner thoughts, his inner feelings, and what he went through, all the things that he did, all the things. This is the summation of it. And the first thing he says in verse 1, a good name is better than fine perfume. Your name means everything. Proverbs 10 and 7 says, The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked is rot. We won't forget somebody. You know, we don't forget people who are what? We don't forget killers, murderers. We don't, no, we don't forget. No, we don't remember them. We don't remember them. We remember those with a good name. That's why when I look at the obituary, and it's very emotional because why? I try, not to have, I try not to do services for people I don't know because I don't know them. Everybody that's a member of our church, absolutely. But when I'm asked and I've done it, I don't know the person. So now I'm trying to figure out, okay, what, am I getting what I'm getting? Is, what it, is, is, is this a person that had a good name? Or is this somebody that was foul? So, so he talks about the first thing he says to us is he starts out by stressing the importance of all of our character. Your name is who you are, my beloved. Somebody, you've heard me say that before. Your name, Rex, is everything. Society puts everything on a name. Businesses are million-dollar, billion-dollar businesses are going. But listen, Apple has a good name. But you let one thing go wrong with Apple, and Apple that could turn the tide on Apple. Everything we deal with, your name. What is, about, what is it about your name? Not about how somebody will try to slander you and tear you up. I ain't talking about that because you're going to have those people. I got plenty of them. 
But what is it that's truthful about your name? He says, your name is who you are in the dark. Your name, listen to the spirit of God and your pastor, somebody. Your name is the part of you that heaven records. Your name. Not what we fraudulently present about one another. You know, we have kind of fraudulent. That's just in our sin nature. You know, even when we come to church, we kind of put on a falsity. How you doing? You know, like I say, I, I walk down the hall. How you doing, sister? Oh, I'm fine. I, how you, you sure? Then the tears start rolling. You know, sometimes we just, you know, sometimes we just try to hide who we, how, hide, hide who we are, what we're dealing with. You know, I'll ask one, I'll ask a wife, how's everything at home? Oh, pastor, it's just, uh, I'll ask the husband five minutes later, everything's great. That's how we, pre- that's how we, <laughs> we're fraudulent. It's just in our sin nature to be fraudulent. But he's saying here, your name is not something. See, your name is either going to be one of honor or dishonor. And your name has influence. We just read that. He says a good reputation speaks to who you are. See, we live in a culture that puts everything in the name. Solomon is saying the day, listen to it. Here it is right here. Solomon is saying, my beloved, the day a person receives his name, her name, and the day when that name shows up in the obituary column is is it. From the time you get a name when you're born to the time, whatever happens in between that time is all about your name. And think about it. When you're born, you don't even know what name you, you don't even know your name. Your name from the time you're born to the time that your name is written in an obituary will say it all, will say it all about you. He's saying the day that we die is all about the life. See, it's all about, see, a good name is far better than the fragrance, he says, of perfume. Pleasantry. He says, no, 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 life difficulty, pleasantry. See, see, the name I was given, and I thought about that, Zach. <laughs> I thought about that, Sister Terry, Terry, Sister Fred. I thought about that. In the eighth grade going to the ninth grade, Dari, you know, daddy, daddy was given the nickname. I, I, they gave me a nickname, Cool Do. Gave me a nickname, Cool Do. Now, you know, see, when you let the world give you a name, you be careful. Of course, as an eighth, ninth grader, going into ninth grade, I didn't know that. I just thought it was cool. You know, I even had, you know, so... They give me this nickname, and I, I, you know, I sang a lot during those years. I, you know, I, I was active. I was involved in a lot of high school things. But they gave me this nickname, Kudu. So, I, you know, me, I don't, you know, I'm dumb at that time. I don't know no different. What's the name? Ain't no big moment. The name, I, you know, I embraced that name. I thought it was cool. <laughs> Kudu. And we all in the car going to the grocery store one night. All eight of us in this car with mom and dad in the front. We all tight in the back. And because I'm the oldest, they sent me in to, you know, get the little pick up the few little things. And Stephen Tracy, Mel, Mel, Melanie William, I, I get out the car, and one of my friends happens to be walking by the car, and he says, "What's up, cool dude?" And you know, I go in the store, we talking, hey, everything good. When I come out the store with the goodies, my old man, my dad says, "Why he call you cool dude?" Now you know my you, you anybody get that that funny feeling in your stomach where your stomach start hurting when you start getting scared. <laughs> Why he call you Kudu? And I really didn't have an answer. <laughs> I said, well, you know, that's kind of what they call me. He said, when we get home, I'm going to find out why they call you Kudu. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sweat, sweat. <laughs> Eight of us in the back seat of a four-door car. <laughs> My little brothers and sisters said, ooh. <laughs> we going to find out when I get home. My dad was from the streets, so he was kind of hard. So he figured that meant something. And he, when we get in the house, he proceeds to tell all my brothers and sisters to get out. <laughs> and we sit there for like an hour and a half, him telling me, Your, that means something. 
When they give you a name, you're selling drugs, you're doing, man, my, my father terrorized me that night. Do you know I don't, when I think of Kudu right now, I'll choke somebody they call me Kudu. <laughs> uh, I went ahead, my mom sitting there trying to get him to understand, Didi, this is not, that don't mean nothing. No, it means something. See, he was thinking it from the perspective. He's a, he was a, my, dad, my dad was a hustler. He was on the street. He did a lot of, he, you know, that's how he was, he, he was brought up, raised up hard. He had a name. His nickname was Didi. Didi. Didi was no joke. And today he's no joke. And so I said all that to say, my beloved, not to digress, but your name. Your name, it means something. Your name. And when you tie it from, the, from your birth to your, to your death and your obituary, it means something. Let's keep going on. Let's keep going on. Look what he says then. The day of your death is better than the day of your birthday when you were born. What is, what is, how would that be better? The day, see, this is the constant theme. How, my beloved, is, the, is your death date better than your birth date? Solomon is referring, Solomon says death, he's saying, death is, is the real celebration not birthday parties and celebration that don't mean nothing death is the real celebration if you've lived it according to Christ if you're in Christ death is the celebration see he's trying to get our thinking he's trying to get a, see if we get this in our in our spirits emotionally we won't have as much stress and trepidation if we will mature he's trying to Solomon's trying to mature us up my beloved church where this thing of death is concerned he says note the emphasis that we put on birthday parties excitement and celebration is overwhelming but you know what I notice about a funeral we want a funeral over as fast as we can get it over fast as we can get it over we want a funeral to be over we don't want to celebrate. We don't want to celebrate. That, he says, is what you ought to be celebrating. When I've done funerals, people, y'all know it. I take my time. Funeral around here lasts about an hour and 30 minutes. But I've been to funerals that last 10, 15 minutes. Why? We want to get, preach, preachers preach a five-minute sermon. A five-minute sermon at eight minutes, 10 max. Why? They don't even care. We, we just want to get this over. Solomon says, no. You celebrate the life of a believer. It's a coronation. That's not how we see it. See, when we are born, we're not even aware of what, we don't even know nothing about being born. Because when you're born, nothing has been written about you yet. Right? Right? Nothing's been written. But we love celebrating parties. We hate funerals. We'll have parties all day long, weekend parties. We'll have parties instead of really celebrating. He says, you don't celebrate death. Stacy, we want... The funeral over as quickly as we can get it. Has anybody ever thought the death? Think about this. Has anybody ever thought about it? The death of Christ was far better than his birth. We're getting ready to celebrate April 4th, Resurrection Sunday. Is anybody tracking with the Spirit of God in your pastor this morning? Listen to the spirit of God in your pastor this morning. Get what Solomon is trying to help us with these principles to cultivate, to get better with. Listen, Christ's death was better than his birth. Paul says uh, it's better to, do, to, to depart, to be with Christ. It's better to depart. It's better to die. How many of you, are, are you tracking it? Are you, are you, is anybody starting to get this thing about better? What day is, is, do we celebrate church in church more, Christ's birth or his death? 
Oh, no, we're getting ready. It's going to be a party. We celebrate. And he's trying to get us to understand that. We ought to celebrate death more. That's what he's saying. Terry, Sister Francis. Then Solomon. See, what he's trying to say, better is the end than the beginning. Somebody write that down. Better is your end than your beginning. But all that depends on who you know in your relationship with Christ. Or if you don't have one, it could be horrible. It could be disastrous. Your death. Terry and Sister Francis, let's keep moving. Then he says, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, a party. Why? Why is it better? This doesn't, see, I told you on the surface, Zach, this don't make sense. This doesn't make sense, my beloved. It doesn't make sense, Renee. It doesn't make sense. Why? How could it be better to hang out at a funeral all day long than a party? Why? He tells us why. Because death is the destiny of all of us. That's why. And he says, look what he says now. Every person, every person, one out of one, the living should take death in his heart. Oh, my God. Is anybody listening to the Spirit of God in Solomon today? He says it is the destiny of everyone. What is he trying to get? He's trying to teach us there's some life lessons. Young adults, listen to the Spirit of God in your pastor. There's some life lessons that we learn from death. What's better about a house of mourning? What's better about hanging around funerals all day than wasting a lot of our time, energy, and resources focused on things that do what? Don't mean nothing. That's what he's saying. Don't mean a thing. We'll kill ourselves over all kinds of stuff and junk. We got to have this. We got to have the latest that. We're all a part of that. We all are part, including your pastor. He says, when you think about it, I'm trying to get you. I'm trying to mature you up. I'm trying to mature you up. I'm trying to elevate your emotions when it comes to death, to have you have a different perspective, to have you different, have see it from the lens of spiritual. He says, look here, don't waste your time. And, what, and here's what we need to understand. In biblical times, some of you know this, funeral celebrations lasted several days. Several days. Today, what do we want? We want that thing over as, high, as fast as we can get it. We did a funeral a, a couple of months ago out there at the, at, the, at, the, at the military place, and I almost lost my mind. I almost lost my mind. We were in it. They were running us out of there like we were cattle. We were, I mean, I couldn't preach none of what I wanted to preach and what God had gave me to preach. It was, they were running us out of there like cattle. Didn't get a chance to celebrate like we were supposed to. Running us out. Why? That's the world. See, the world's about give me them dollars. That's all the world. The world don't care nothing about death. Well, I don't care nothing about your loved ones, our loved ones. I was hotter than fish grease. So they done ran me through 10 minutes of, of something that I, that I couldn't really say like I wanted to say. And I said it right in front of them. I'm really upset about this. Then when we get to the gravesite, the guy says, you got seven minutes. If I hadn't been saved, I would have tackled him. If I was not saved, Rex, I would have pimp slapped him. I'm sorry, guys. I felt so, I was so grieved in the. <laughs> And he literally, they hovered over us out there, even at the gravesite. Get this over, get this over, get this over, because there's another one right behind you. There's another one right behind you. And there was a family right behind us waiting, like we were waiting in front of the family in front of us. This is the world, but we're not of the world. And Solomon is saying, listen to the Spirit of God in your pastor now. He's saying it's better. He's saying it's better. What's better about a house of mourning than wasting, than wasting your time? That's already, we know that now. Again, see, the thing that we need to think about at a funeral, they're far different, far beneficial than hanging out at a party. See, when you're sitting in a funeral, Solomon's saying a funeral is going to make you think. 
It's going to bring the reality of some things into perfect view. Stephen and Tracy in the funeral service, everybody is forced to think, forced to think. We've had people come in here. I always know people who, who come in here that's not saved. They can't sit still. We're having a good time, but they can't sit still. They got to go out in and out, in and out, go out and smoke, go out and do all kinds of stuff. Why? Because they're not saved. They don't understand what death means for a, for a, beloved, for a saved person. He's saying, no, 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 no. The house of mourning teaches us to do what? Think and prepare. It puts us in a different perspective. Grief and sorrow. Somebody type it in the chat. I'm getting better. Somebody type that in the chat. I'm getting better. Some, Solomon says the primary reason for cultivating our emotions around death, because it's the destiny. It's the destiny. That's why all our decision making, all our choices ought to have rooted, have anchored to all our choices and decisions ought to be about death. And my beloved, none of us have this. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Solomon says, the living should take this to heart. Solomon is saying, if we're wise, instead of ignoring death, if we mature, wise up, we're going to mature our minds about this, all these emotions, and we will not, we will not, we will not struggle like we do right now if we wise up. Solomon again, look, 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 look. He goes on to say, grief is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, the heart may be glad. How in the world could it be better to be sorrowful and grieving? How is that better than laughter? It's a spiritual thing. Somebody type it in the chat. It's a spiritual thing he's appealing to. Cheryl Wanda, how can grief be better than laughter? What's better about a sad face? Carol, Jenny, Holly, I'm talking. The Spirit of God is talking to somebody. Solomon says there's nothing wrong with tears. There's nothing wrong with grief. There's nothing wrong with, 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 with sorrow. Why? Because if you suppress it, you'll, blow, you'll, you'll, you'll make yourself sick. There's nothing wrong with it. Solomon says by sadness, the heart is made better. This is a spiritual thing. Some of y'all, might, somebody might not be getting this. See, what's he saying? Death gives us cause to pause and really appreciate life. Sorrow is better than laughter because sorrow tends to make us better people. Oh, man. Sorrow produces strength. Somebody get that. Somebody get that. By the, ooh, somebody get that. He's saying sorrow will produce strength in you. Sorrow and grief will produce a resilience in you, a, 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 a perseverance in you. Sorrow will be, see, in the emotions, in the bowels of our emotions, sorrow can be healthy is what he's saying. It's better in contrast to life's pleasantries. Once again, laughter. Nobody loves laughter more than me. But there's some things, my beloved, that he's trying to help us understand about death. The emotions associated with death. I hope somebody's starting to get this better thing. Listen, 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 listen. I'm getting ready to close. A wise man thinks about death, but a foolish person thinks only about having a good time. Look at it again. The difficulties, the adversities that he's saying that will bring, bring healing and strength versus just having a good time. Having a good time. My beloved, I hope somebody is getting this thing. A wise man. You know why the word of God says that the, that the older should be ministering, ministering and developing, mentoring the young? Why? Because experience teaches. Experience is a great teacher. Most of our young people don't want to, hang, want to hear nothing from the older people. And I'm not necessarily talking about age either. Age is a part of it. But hey, you can be 21-year-olds and have the wisdom of Solomon. <laughs> and be able to give and share it with somebody else. 
I used to always, as a young man, I used to always like to sit around older people. I used to always just like to sit around older people. Why? Somehow, even then, before I was saved, I had common sense to recognize, you know what? I can learn some things from these people sitting around here, sitting around these older people, just sitting around talking. I could learn some things. That's what he's saying. Wisdom. Don't reject the, re- the rebuke. See, if, 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 if Mama CJ were to go to one of our 21-year-olds and, and say, honey, pull her aside and say, honey, you know, you're, I want to talk to you about your dress. If Jackie, Sister Jackie Triplett would go and say, I want to I I talk to you. And we've been talking about this, too. Before. We talked about this over the last six, seven, eight months. And, you know, I want to talk to the young ladies about their dress. Young ladies, don't get mad. Don't be stupid. Don't be ignorant. They're trying to tell you something. They're trying to educate you. They're trying to wise you up. And that's what he's saying here. Don't reject the wisdom, the rebuke of somebody who's got something to say. That's better than sitting around with a bunch of people, goobers, a bunch of people who don't know nothing. And young people, I'm talking to all the young people. Be, you be careful who you hang out with. You be careful who you allow to become attached to you. You be careful what you listen to, what you hear, where you go. You be careful. Solomon says uh, uh, the wise man thinks about death. Been plenty of people. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And whatever happened, happened because you you had no business being there, my beloved. (sighs) Wise man centers his life on decisions and choices. That prepare him for what? Good choices and life abundant. And death, why? He says, if you don't, death is like a thief in the night. Mama Lois and Darlene, we learned that from the rich man, the rich fool, and the five foolish virgins in in weeks two, three, and four. Too much eating, drinking, and merriment can kill you. And so we've learned, see, and so my beloved, as I get ready to close, we are all our decisions, my decisions, me and Sharon's decisions ought to be based on, are we going to be here tomorrow? Are we going to be here tomorrow? We, you know, we planning this and planning that. Are we, are we going to be here tomorrow? We don't know that. And it might cause us to do what? Maybe shift some things. Solomon says, learn from me, cultivate a new emotional attitude about death. Last thing, Solomon says, again, don't reject the wisdom. God says, again, the truth makes us free. The truth makes us free, my beloved. And so as I close, is anybody, based on this series, are you better? Based on today's teaching, are you better? It is better to be rebuked by a wise man than to be praised and listen to the song of fools. It's better. It is much better, my beloved. It is much better. Don't waste your time. Don't waste our lives. And you know why, Frederica, we have to get this thing that Solomon is teaching us today? Because we have to help those who don't know. We have to model, Zach, people who don't understand life and death. But if we don't understand it, if we're all broken and torn up and torn to pieces, how are we going to help somebody? How are we going to help somebody, my beloved? And so the church, again, listen to me. The church, Solomon said, the world is full of fools. And I thought about it as I was thinking about that. And the church got, got, got a number of fools too. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Siku, Chanel, Calvin, Kimmy. Life's difficulties, I'm saying as I close, producing us a far better emotional health about death. And we have got to work on our emotional approach, emotional approach to death, my beloved, our emotional stability has all to do with what Solomon has taught us today. 
And so as we get ready to close, we want to leave you with a few things to help you get better. Look up here real quick. How do we steward our emotions and get better? 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who does what? He comforts us. And so what do we need to do? We need to lean into the Holy Spirit. He's our comforter when we're going through emotions. Lean into the Holy Spirit, and he'll help us. This is how we're going to get our emotions in check. Look up here. Look up here. Psalm 119, 28 says, am, I am weary. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me through your word. What we have to do so that we can steward and get better with our emotions, we got to cling to. Hold on to God. Somebody write that down. Hold on to God. I got to hold on. Cling a little longer. He will take care of you. This is how we get better, my beloved. This is how we get better. This is how we steward and get better. Or grow up our emotions. Look up here, Gloria. Listen, how do we steward our emotions? First thing we got to do, be honest about your emotions. Be honest about your emotions and don't deny that you're struggling. We try to tell people, don't lie about what you're going through. Be honest about what you're going through. Cast your cares on him. That's why we have the grief share ministry here. What's he, what do we got to do if we're going to deal with these emotions and get better? We got to be self-aware. Don't get ill with not. Now, what I'm saying about that, he's talked about grief is good, but not to make you sick, not, to, not, not for you to be stuck there forever. No, 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 that's not what he's talking about. We got to seek and be open to getting help. You got to be willing to get some help. I'm struggling. I've been struggling for a long time, somebody. Do not neglect assembling together. Now, this is something that we got to do. See, some people withdraw. You can't withdraw when you're going through hell and back. You can't withdraw when things get difficult. What am I saying here? Do not neglect assembling together. Jesus said, don't forsake the assembling as a church member. You stay, you got to stay in fellowship. You got to continue to worship through the hard times. Uh, uh, Stacy, when she preached, she said, put a praise on it. You got to do what? That's gotta, you got to stick with the discipleship and prayer and Bible study. And you got to do what? Continue your normal spiritual habits if you have any. If you don't have any, it'll be kind of tough to do that. Then give away the comfort that you have received. You got to help somebody else when God helps you. With the comfort that we've been comforted, we're supposed to do what? Comfort. What, are we, what else we got to do? We got to trust and apply the word of God. If y'all apply what the, Holy, what the Holy Spirit gave me to give y'all today, we're going to all grow in our maturity. We're not going to have, we're not going to be just, we're not going to be all broken up. We're going to have a different outlook on this whole thing of our emotions. Let God and the Holy Spirit own your heart and your mind. Let God own all of you. I'm trying every day to let God own more of me, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. We all got to do that. And then mark the time of your life. Prepare to live ready to die. Prepare to live ready to die. We learned in week one, make it personal. Isaiah 40 and 29. I'm, listen, this is the end. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Oh, God is always with us. He will take care of us even when we're struggling with a loved one that gone, that's gone now. Oh my goodness, I hope somebody got this thing about our not so sweet emotions. John 11, here it is. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I wonder, does anybody believe what God has talk, spoke about these six, these, in these six teachings? Especially today. I wonder, does anybody really believe it? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him. See, the only death that we experience, as I close it, as this is it, the only death that we experience is our death from sin. That's it. That's the church. The only death we experience, see, death is not dying for us because Jesus did that. And so, my beloved, <laughs> We have gone through another teaching series, but here's the final question. 
Now that the series is over, how are you going to approach death and dying? Now that the series is over, how do you feel? What do you think about the D word now? Now that the series is over, series is over from this moment till the day you die, what are you going to be remembered for? How are you going to die? That's real talk. What you going to do now that the word has been given? How we live, we, have, we need to reset our emotions, my beloved. Holy Spirit gave me this to give as the final teaching and to say how we live, move, and have our being should be anchored to the fact that we must number our days. And is anybody, I want to know, has anybody got better because of this word today? Because of this series, you're better. And this morning, if you want to be, you can be, you can be through Christ who cares for you. You can be. You can be. You can be better through Christ who cares for you. Christ, Jesus who paid it all. Who paid it all. Who paid it all. Who cares? So you think. Y'all turn that up. Y'all know I got to hear that. You he cares for you. Make it. He cares for you. He 
sleep singing that song. I woke up out of my sleep. Because God knows somebody needed to hear that. The summation of it all. Because God cares. Because God knows how we feel. He got it. Why? You know how he knows? Because he sent Jesus, his son, to die. And Jesus knows because Jesus left to die and knew he was going to die. So we have the teaching in our Father and in our Savior. And I would say if there's somebody this morning, you've been struggling with grief. It's been hard. It's been a heavy load. You cry out to God right now and you hear what, Holy, what Solomon had to say today. If you need prayer, many of you are listening. You might be listening in Texas. You might be listening in Chicago. Go and type it in the chat right now. I need prayer. I've heard everything the Spirit of the Lord has to say, and I agree, but I am struggling with this thing, the emotional side of my loss. You type it in the chat and ask for prayer. 
you ask for help. If you need counseling, you put it in the chat. I need counseling. We have counselors right now. We have grief, a grief share ministry just centered on everything I said today. Don't you go another day. Don't you go another hour trying to carry something, pretending that you're okay and you're, you're not. God, the Holy Spirit said, no, I want to redirect you. I need you to teach about the emotional struggle so that somebody can get free with a, with a thinking that it's going to be hard for them to think, but if they trust me and try me, I'll get them there. So I'm talking to people who are struggling with the loss of a child, a friend, an uncle, a spouse, a mother, a father. You're longing you're longing. There's nothing wrong with that. We found that out today. But if you are still just not in a good place, this is what I'm speaking about. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. If you're not in a good place, God wants you to move to a good place. He doesn't want, he doesn't want that burden, you carrying a burden for the rest of your life. He wants us to do what? Be free. Be free to do what? Take what we've, take our loss and help somebody else. But as long as you're stuck, as long as I'm stuck, I can't help anybody. Matter of fact, I need help. Well, help has come through the people who requested me to go back and reteach this, and the Holy Spirit knew what was needed and gave me a completely different teaching. And so now we have, we have, we have received what we have asked for. And I thank God for this word, and I thank God for you. Is there somebody here also that's listening? You don't have a church home. Maybe you've been following with us for a while. I don't know. You don't have a covering. You, want, you need a covering. You need a church with a pastor and with a community of believers who, 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 who comprise the one body of Christ, the love of God. You need a teaching, discipling environment that you have not been in. You know, some churches haven't been open the whole 12 months. Some churches haven't had, they have, they've not, not, not been open, but they've only been doing like a Bible study or something. They haven't even, the pastor hadn't really even preached. We've grown and gotten better during these 12 months because we've added. We didn't decrease, we added. So if somebody is out there, you need a church home. Don't be afraid about where you've been. It's where you're going. It's where God's trying to take you. That's, what you, that's where you focus, where God's trying to take you. One of the most, next most important things is to have a church that you believe in. A teaching and equipping church to help you be nurtured in all the things of God. And so you write it in the chat or go online to our prayer and type it into, type it into prayer on our incomelb.church and say, I want to join this church. I need, I've, I've been, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I've been in a backslidden state. I need fellowship and I need, I know I need, God is saying I need to make new creation outreach ministries my church home. You do that, and somebody's going to reach back to you within the next, before, before the day is over, if, you, if we get the information, before the day is over, somebody will call you and reach out to you. I want to thank all of you who have tracked all our first-time guests. I want to thank uh, Pastor Sothorn and our mission in Thailand. I want to thank all the people who have tracked in with us from Texas, from Alaska, from different places. 
that have just been following with us and continue to follow you. You guys can comprise our digital family. God bless you. We love you. Before we go, I want to remind you of where we're going now. This is the next series that pastors are getting ready to teach. It's called Epic Bible Memoirs from the Mouth of God that Bring Good Things to Life. You know, GE used to have that saying, Zach, we bring good things to life. We're going to find out that truth matters. Look up here. These are the teachings in this series. When push comes to shove, try again. When love is not enough, fleas and ticks. Every church needs good stunt men and good women. We're going to talk about baby's breath. We're going to talk about he's present in your pain. We're going to talk about the human you and the divine you. And then we're going to close it out with hypocrisy. Let God be God. And the greatest challenge and deficiency in the 21st century church is truth. That's the greatest deficiency. This is where we're going to be going now. Epic Bible, memoirs from the mouth of God. Truth matters. To all my beloved family, we love you. We're going to see you this afternoon at 5 and chat with the pastor. Don't forget, mark your calendars for March 21st. We're going to be at 3 o'clock. Won't be no pastor chat that day, but we're going to talk about, I'm so excited about our, our, our exodus back into this building. We got a plan for you. It's very methodical. It's very systematic. It's going to be very careful. We're not closing down live stream or none of that, but we, we're going to move, move us in a little bit by a little bit. God bless you. We love you. And I'll see you this afternoon. Um.